Our Bible reading this morning comes from 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And this is on page 213 of the, of the Pew Bibles. We're going to be reading the whole chapter, so as David would say, you better have your seatbelts on. <laughs> 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a man from a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zophite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name is Elkanah, son of Joram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, and the Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his own town to worship and sacrificed to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, with the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and also to her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find, fa find favour in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. 
When her husband, Elkanah, went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord to fulfil his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband, Elkanah, told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. Now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped the Lord there. We are commencing today a series on the book on 1 Samuel. And uh, it, this whole period in the book of 1 Samuel covers uh, periods uh, of events that happened a thousand years before Christ. It takes us uh, through the time when... Uh, do you know it, it follows on from the book of Judges... And the book of Judges, if you read the very end of the book of Judges, everything is really a terrible mess, like a really bad mess. Um, It's quite horrifying, actually, to read those last few verses. And in the book of Judges, there is um, a series of cycles, and this is roughly how the cycle goes. The people of God uh, turn away from God and do evil, And their enemies come and oppress them. And in their oppression, after a while, they cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, look at our misery. Save us. God raises up a deliverer. And the spirit of God is on that deliverer in tremendous power. And they conquer their enemies. And there is peace in the land for a period of time until the people turn away again from the Lord and do wickedness. And so that's the cycle in, the period of, in, the, in that, that, that whole book of Judges, in that period when Judges is written. There, notice there is no king at that time, no king in the land. But when you come to the book of Samuel, it describes that period where God um, establishes a king over the nation of Israel. At the beginning of the book of Samuel, everything's really in, in, in the world of Israel is an ugly, an ugly mess. But by the end of, and the sort of tribal, there's a loose collection of tribes, but by the end of the book of Samuel, there is a king reigning in tremendous power over his people. 
And so that's what we're going to be looking at together. Before we read the very uh, first lines in the book of Samuel again, let me, let me pray. Hey Lord, we need this word. We need your word. And Lord, unless you, Lord, plant the seed of your word in our hearts, we've got barren hearts. We're like a paddock that's never got wheat sown in it and it never produces anything. So we're asking, Lord, that you would sow the wheat of your word uh, into our hearts. Lord, into my heart, into our hearts, that for your glory there would be fruitfulness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen again to how this book of Samuel begins. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zuphite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Notice that he had two wives, this man, Elkanah. Uh, Hannah was presumably his first wife. Um, but he had another wife, Penina. And the situation was that Penina had children, but Hannah had none. And each year they would go uh, from their home to Shiloh. I don't know whether you know about Shiloh, but this is long before Jerusalem was the capital. And Shiloh was the place where the house of God was. Shiloh was the place that they would travel year after year. Uh, and year after year, Penina would ridicule Hannah because, Hannah, you got no kids. You got no kids, Hannah. And uh, in actual fact, Penina and Hannah are described as rivals. And Penina um, kept provoking Hannah in order to irritate her. And each year as they went up to have the feast, uh, it was a time of uh, great pain for Hannah. But one year, when they'd finished eating and drinking... Hannah stood up and she goes to the house of the Lord where Eli was the priest and it said he was sitting on a chair. In those days, many people sat on the ground but uh, Eli was sitting as a sign of his authority on a chair and Hannah goes and she uh, prayed to the Lord weeping bitterly, weeping bitterly and she makes this vow in her heart to the Lord where she says to the Lord, Lord Almighty, if you'll only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. But as she kept praying, she, she was in such bitterness and agony, um, she... Eli could see her and he could see her mouth moving but um, couldn't hear any words coming out of her mouth and he thought that she was drunk and he goes and rebukes her and says, give away, give away the drink woman. 
But she says, no, Lord, I'm in the deepest agony. I mean, just this great pain in my life and I'm crying out to the Lord. And Eli says, basically, oh, I didn't, I didn't understand that. Uh, may the Lord grant, may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked for. And it says that as Hannah went away from there, her face was no longer downcast. She had something to eat. Um, but that great burden was somehow lifted off her heart at that moment. Her face was no longer downcast. They rose the next morning, worshipped the Lord. They went back uh, to their home. And it says that Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son and named him Samuel. Because I asked the Lord for him. And uh, he, after that little boy was weaned, um, I don't know how old he would have been. Not very old. Um, a few years, take, she takes that little boy and she gives him to the Lord at Shiloh under Eli's care. And he lived there. She was delighted because the Lord had answered her prayer. So I want to think with you about these first few chapters of Samuel. What would the Lord say to us uh, about, about Hannah, about Samuel, and about his purposes? First thing I want to think with you about is the shame of barrenness. The shame of barrenness. Because Hannah couldn't have any kids. And it was a tremendous, tremendous pain for her heart. She was in bitter agony and she cried and wept before God. Do you know it wasn't just a personal tragedy for her? Because in those days it was your responsibility to your people to have children. Um, it, there was a community aspect of it because if you don't have any kids then who is going to populate the army who's going to be in the army to protect us from our our neighbors when they come war and if you don't have who's going to do the crops and if you have no kids then we as a nation how are we going to grow and so there's this community aspect and when Penina is ridiculing Hannah it's not just the the, the, the personal tragedy it's that you, you are bringing shame to the nation because you're not having any kids. And Penina makes sure she rubs it in. She mocks her mercilessly. It was an unhappy family.
in lots of ways, this family was a little miniature, a little microcosm of Israel itself because Israel was a mess and very, very unhappy at that time. And Israel was barren and not bearing the fruit that God had wanted for his people. Do you know, this is also a story about us. I remember hearing someone ringing in my ears, actually. He's not alive anymore, but I remember him saying as he's coming to the end of his life, he said, I know I've not done well. I know I've not accomplished much. Now, if you saw what he'd accomplished, you would probably be pretty impressed. But in his mind, I've not done well. The life that I had dreamed of, I've not done what I, what I dreamt of. Feel empty and barren. Do you know, for every single one of us, there is a longing. There is a longing that our lives would matter, <laughs> that, that we would bear fruit. That, they, that, that we wouldn't just come to the end of our lives and that it would just be just a mess and, and we, we failed. For every single one of us, there's this longing not to be barren, not to just to be a failure in our lives. And this was Hannah's deep longing, deep longing that she too would not be barren that our life would count. It's a story not just of barrenness, but also about prayer. It teaches us that prayer is not a technique to be learned, but it is a pouring out of our heart towards God. When we pray, we're just pouring out. And, and in Hannah's encounter with God was so dramatic that Eli thought that she... She was drunk. Do you know the reason we don't pray is because we think that we can manage without God. But Hannah's prayer was a prayer of faith. She prayed and God gave her, wonderfully, a little baby. Do you know if the Lord gives you... Um, a big house or if the Lord gives you a million dollars or if the Lord gives you um, a lot of land or the Lord gives you this or that none of those things compare to the to the gift of this gift that Hannah had because when you got a baby there's untold promise in this child you there's just there's just promise in, in a child. And that's what, that's what the Lord gives Hannah. What does this tell us about the Lord? Well, do you know the word the Lord is is mentioned 20 times in this passage. And did you notice, as Andrew read, that it talked about the Lord Almighty? 
the Lord Almighty. It's the first time in the Bible that that expression is used, the Almighty. In some versions it says, the Lord of hosts. <laughs> Have you heard that? The Lord of hosts. What does it mean? It's the first time here in, in 1 Samuel that that expression is used, the Lord of hosts. And it means something like the Lord of heaven's armies, <laughs> the Lord of all the armies of angels in heaven. <laughs> And so here we have, you just think now of this broken little woman so anguished in this, in this faraway, unknown place, crying her heart out to God, and yet she's crying out to the Lord of heaven's armies, <laughs> of the God of all glory. And so in her brokenness, and I wonder if this is true for you, in your brokenness, in your lostness, in your disappointment, in your despair, have you, are you like Hannah? And you can look and cry out to the Lord of heaven's armies. And she cries out, and in her song that Andrew didn't read, but it's in chapter 2, she sings this song. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. And in those days, if you're talking about the horns, you're talking about the horns of a big bull. The horns of the bull are an expression of that creature's strength. And so it's talking about strength. And she's saying, instead of being broken anymore, I know the strength. There is no one holy like the Lord. This is Hannah. This is Hannah. This is Hannah. little Hannah. There is no one like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And she's pouring out a heart now, not of anguish, but of praise. And listen to what she says. In verse 4 of chapter 2, it says, The bows of the warriors are broken. But those who stumbled are armed with strength. That's number one. But number two, those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. The bows of the warriors are broken. So this is, you imagine the bow of a warrior. <laughs> that is the warrior's strength if they've got a bow. But if it's broken, then that's a symbol of their, of, of, of their strength coming to nothing. And she says, Hannah says, the bows of the warriors are broken. But those who stumble, those who have fallen down, they're on the ground, they're in weakness, are armed with strength. What he's saying, she's saying the strong become weak with the God that I serve and the weak become strong with the God that I serve. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are very hungry are hungry no more. God is the one that reverses fortunes. The baron has borne seven children, but she who had many sons pines away. So this is a God who reverses fortunes, who, who reverses the situation as you see them. And she declares that the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy 
from the ash heap. You see, this is the God that little old Hannah, in her brokenness and her weakness and her lostness and her sense of barrenness, praises. The, the sentence that sticks more than perhaps any one of them in my mind is from verse 9 where she says, it's not by strength that one prevails. It's not by human strength that one prevails. And there is here, right at the end of Hannah's song, a, a hint of the future. And this is what it says in verse 10, right at the end of Hannah's song. Hannah says, he, talking about God, God will give strength to his king and exult in the horn of his anointed. That's a strange phrase because there is no king. There had been no king in Israel. And yet Hannah is looking forward, it seems, to a time where God would place a king in Israel. And it says, and he, and he will exalt in the horn of his anointed. Do you know that's the first time, another first for the book of Samuel, the first time that that word anointed, his anointed, is mentioned. What is anointing? Anointing is if you are a prophet and you are going to anoint someone to be king in Israel, you would get oil and they would presumably bow down and you'd put the oil on them, you'd pour the oil or rub the oil on them and you would anoint them to be king. And when we use the word Messiah, we are saying the anointed one. They were looking forward in Israel to the Messiah, to the anointed one, the one that would be anointed. When we use the word Jesus Christ, the word Christ, it means he is Jesus the anointed one. And this is the first time in the Bible that phrase is used. And Hannah is looking forward to a time where there's a king and where there is an anointed one. There's lots of barren women in the Bible. Do you know Sarah, Abraham's wife, was barren? Also, Rebecca was barren. Also, Rachel was barren. But there's one that I want to draw your attention to, and that was there was a woman a thousand years later, and her name was Elizabeth, and she was barren. She had no children. But she gave birth to a man called John the Baptist. And just as Hannah gave birth to Samuel, and Samuel was the man that grew up and he anointed David as king, and he was God's instrument to bring David to, be, to the kingship, so Elizabeth, a thousand years later, gave birth to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was God's instrument to bring the Christ, to bring Jesus to the kingship. You know, David fails in the end, but when, um, but, but God was planning a true and better king in Christ, 
And the reason why I want you to think about Jesus is that of all the people that ever lived, Jesus is the one in whom we find the reversal of fortunes. (laughs) Listen to me. Jesus is the one who, who, who came down from heaven and who, who lived on the earth with every kind of um, disgrace. He was rejected. He was beaten. He was on the cross and he was obedient to death. And he went all the way down. <laughs> Do you see? But God exalted him <laughs> above the highest heavens. In Jesus, more than anyone else, there is a reversal of fortunes. Look, we are in this room all broken. There's a sense of failure for each one of us. There's a sense of barrenness for each one of us. There's a sense of, um, I just, I just, it wasn't how I thought life was supposed to turn out. But do you see that if we are in Christ, if we come and we trust in Christ, if our hearts are given to Christ, then in him there is a reversal of fortunes big time. I don't care how broken you are. I don't care how disappointed you are. I don't care how many failures there's been in your life. I don't care if you have come and humbled yourself before the Lord in Christ then in him there is a tremendous reversal of fortunes. He will be exalting you from the dust and exalting you to the highest heavens. Yes, I know you've got disappointments in your life. Yes, I know that you are grieving and the things that you long for. Some of you longed like Hannah for children and they did not come. But do you see, if you have come to the Lord and you've trusted in Christ, then in him there is a tremendous reversal of fortunes because there's coming a day when you will be in the arms of God and he even now can be bearing fruit fruit through your life. As we were singing, I was thinking, I hadn't thought of this before, but I was thinking how in Peter... It talks about that we are born again by the imperishable seed of the word of God. Oh, wow. That is phenomenal. If God, the seed of God's word can enter your heart and you are born again, there is fruit. It doesn't matter how broken your body is or how broken your mind is. When his life comes into you, there is life abundantly and God can bear fruit through you. Jesus himself was the one who spoke of the reversal of fortunes to the Pharisees who were up themselves and sort of so proud of who they were, Jesus reserved his most severe rebuke. But to the prostitute and the broken and the sinners and the weak, he comes to them with great tenderness and mercy. And he says, the first will be last and the last will be first. He says to the Pharisees, look, the prostitutes and the tax collectors are coming into their kingdom ahead of you. You think that you're so great. 
Jesus is the one who says, humble yourself. Well, the scriptures are the ones that say, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. So maybe you're here this morning and you feel the barrenness and the disappointment and the longing for fruitfulness. Can I just declare to you that in this God, the God that Hannah served, there is tremendous hope because he's the God who reverses fortunes and supremely does that in Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. If you will come to him, you'll know his arms around you. He'll pick you up. That's his promise. And he exalts you in his arms. And his promise is to bear fruit through you. Yes, even you. Yes, even in your weakness. And give you strength and blessing. And even as a church, when we sense, Lord, we long for you to to bear fruit for your kingdom through us. We need to be like Hannah and cry out, weeping, saying, Lord, work we pray, work we pray, so that in a century's time when the history books are written and people talk about the church in Australia, they say, yeah, they recognise that they were fruitless. (laughs) They weren't bearing fruit, but they cried out to me and great power came, great fruitfulness came. So can I encourage you to come to Christ, come to Christ in prayer, take hope in him that he is the one through whom our fruitfulness comes. Nowhere else, nowhere else. Let me pray and we'll sing. Lord, please uh, may the imperishable seed of your word um, lodge in our hearts that we would take hope that we would be no longer downcast but uh, we would have hope great hope in you Um, because in your son our saviour Jesus uh, we have a reversal of fortunes Um, we have joy in you we pray this in his name Amen